Welcome to Between Two Printers, a podcast where we will discuss all things 3D printing and ONP. I'm your host, Jeff, and I've been with Warm for the past 19 years, and recently my role has been increasingly revolving around 3D printing. So we decided to create a podcast to discuss and share some of the learnings we've had along this journey. Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Between Two Printers. Joining me today is Bob Orlando. Bob, why don't you tell the audience a little about yourself? Hey everyone, I'm the implementation lead here at Vorum. I'm also our main project manager. Uh, I've been with Vorum for about nine years and seen us through a few different scanners and a few different other pieces of technology. So I'm excited to talk today about 3D printing. Cool, and what is it that we're gonna talk about today? Uh, well, you know, you've spoken at length now about 3D printing and OMP. And what I wanna know is what's it gonna take for 3D printing to be the mainstream fabrication process in OMP? Ah, this will be an easy one. It won't. Wait, what? Okay, maybe I should have qualified that. I don't think 3D printing will be the mainstream fabrication process, but it, it will definitely become one of them. Even today, we have a mix of manufacturing technologies, whether molding, milling, or additive in the form of fiberglass or carbon fiber layouts. <sighs> I should have known better than to ask you a question like that. What will it take for 3D printing to become a mainstream fabrication method? Thank you for the clarification. So there's going to need to be a few key things, I think. Either the industry needs to settle on some printers and materials, or more likely, the industry is going to need to agree on some common testing protocols to know that the printed products are fit for purpose. Why would you say that? Well, up till now, many people have been printing things on hobbyist printers and with whatever materials they're comfortable with without necessarily considering biocompatibility or even material performance across a range of temperatures. Okay, so that's easy enough to solve. Just print with the same materials you're used to in conventional manufacturing. Were it that simple, I'm sure people would be doing just that. Unfortunately, not all materials are available for all print technologies. And even when they are, the material properties that make a plastic good for sheet manufacture are not necessarily those that make it good for 3D printing whether by powder or extrusion methods. Interesting. I guess I knew that not all materials were available for printing technologies, but I would have thought that like, you know, polypropylene is polypropylene. And you've chosen a perfect example. Polypro has been available for FDM printers for some time, but it's a bit hard to print with. And only fairly recently has HP added polypro to their materials lineup. Okay, so it sounds like polypropylene as a specific example has been available for FDM printing for some time, but it's hard to get a consistent good quality device on the first print attempt with that material. So polypro as an example is a material we're used to in the industry, but it doesn't translate well to 3D printing. What else should we consider for a path forward to make 3D printing a mainstream fabrication method? Only that we as an industry are gonna to need to get testing done on some other materials that are good for printing to take full advantage rather than just working on printing materials we already know. Okay. So earlier you said something about temperatures and performance. What were you getting at there? Okay, well, if you do opt to use a material other than what has been used in conventional manufacture, it's important to consider how that material will behave in use. And by this I mean, and forgive me for stating the obvious, the human body is warmer than room temperature. Well, of course it is. Forgive me for not thanking you for that brilliant insight. Why this is relevant, though, is that some materials that print nicely and do have good mechanical properties, but do soften appreciably at quite low temperatures. For a device being worn on the body, this is quite important. 
Right, that makes sense. And I guess it's a consideration that not everyone would make. Okay, you said something about hobbyist printers. Was that a relevant consideration in some way too? Absolutely. Not all printers are created equal. You could print the same device with the same material with equivalent physical print parameters, layer height, trace width, etc., and still end up with significantly different products depending on the printer used. That's where I was saying that we as an industry either need to decide on a few printer and material combinations or have a means of evaluating the devices produced. Yeah, deciding on a few printers seems like the easier approach to me. Oh yeah, 100%. And if I start a company that makes printers and the industry decides mine is among them, great for me. This would likely stifle printer innovation though. And besides, people want a choice. Likely, the industry will gravitate towards a few printers and materials for specific applications. But I think the more practical solution as an industry is to standardize tests so that manufacturers can know that the devices they produce are fit for purpose. Yeah, that sounds reasonable, although not so trivial. And it sounds like it might be applicable to addressing the materials concerns we were just talking about too. What else do you think we need to see for this to be more mainstream? Uh, at a high level, a few things. Ease of use, decent fabrication speed, and consistency, consistency, consistency. Okay, so what do you mean by ease of use? Like they've got 3D printers in the library and my friend's kids printed out some figurines with a one-page guide they had there. How easy do you think it needs to be? On a personal level, I love 3D printing for widgets and little prototypes. What I mean about ease of use is that it must be simple to have your part print reliably 99% of the time. Remember that in our industry, there's a lot of fully custom work. There's no time to make a few until you get it right. Every part must have great surface finish, be strong and print reasonably quickly, et cetera. There's all kinds of demands that are gonna be put upon that printer to produce a device that they're gonna to wanna to use. Right. And you, you mentioned speed a few times now. How fast do you think it needs to be? I don't think this can be answered in either millimeters per second or grams per minute. It's about making the manufacturing method financially viable. What that number is varies by device, company, and region. Where I just don't see it happening is for larger and simple devices, because they're very efficiently made by current methods. All right, so let's summarize then. In order to be a mainstream O&P manufacturing method, we need common testing procedures that can be applied against materials and printers to be sure that the products made are fit for their purpose. These tests should cover mechanical properties as well as biocompatibility concerns. We need the technology to be streamlined enough that typical OMP professionals can do all the steps required with confidence. And we need the consistency in the materials, machines, and process so that each device is as good as the last one. Yep, I think you nailed it. Sounds easy, right? Oh, no problem. Thanks for joining me today, Bob. It was great having you on the show and look forward to having you again. Well, thanks for having me. It's always fun to chat with you. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to like, review, or share on whichever platform you're listening on. We build these episodes according to what we think you want to hear. So please do leave us some feedback by either leaving a comment or reaching out to us at info at forum.com. Until then, take care.